good afternoon and welcome to the American Age Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about faith in the future, uh, what that means, what that doesn't mean. And to begin, I'd like to situate us with a quotation from, a brief quotation from Emerson, uh, an essay he delivered in 1844 called New England Reformers. And he says, when the literary class betray a destitution of faith, it is not uh, it is not strange that society should be disheartened and sensualized by unbelief. What remedy? Life must be lived on a higher plane. And then a little later on, he says, what is it men love of genius? But it's infinite hope, which degrades all it has done. Genius counts all its miracles poor and short its own idea it never executed. The Iliad, the Hamlet, the Doric Column, the Roman Arch, the Gothic Minister, the German Anthem, there's a lot of uh, Sturm und Drang there, but uh, when when they are ended, the master casts behind him. So, you know, let's, let's, Seth, let's just bracket the uh, the will to power overtones with Emerson there. And, uh, and just uh, what, why I wanted to open with that and, and how I thought it was relevant, um, a conversation you, had, I, you and I started briefly, was the idea that genius involves hope uh, and not, uh, and that it's not a kind of naivete, but is in fact a gesture of strength hmm. uh, to confront the world with hope. Hmm. And what it what what's prompted this topic was the email that I got from Jeffrey Goldberg, not me personally, but you know I subscribed to the Atlantic, and he sent out this thing, and he said that he has faith in the future, and I really I found it irritating. Um, and you and I, mm-hmm. we, you and I spoke briefly about that, and you you had something interesting to say, so why don't you just go ahead and jump in? Well, what I said was that it reminded me of the moment when. Tanahisi Coates was on Stephen Colbert's show. He's uh, Stephen Colbert's show, late night. Um, I forget what the what it's called. Um, but Colbert probably late night with Stephen Colbert or something. Probably yeah. Colbert is exactly the way I should pronounce the name and not what I was doing. Um, <laughs> uh, he posed the question to him, which is really a kind of softball question. Right. I mean, it's a kind of he posed the question to Coates. Well, do you have faith in or hope in it was it was one of those terms mm-hmm. in essentially the American future? Do you think that we'll rescue ourselves? Do you think that the American project can sort of right itself and, and keep going? And he had said that he had posed a question on the heels of Coates talking about how reprehensible this presidency, this current presidency is, and how much right. um, footing we've lost morally, ethically, um, and um, in terms of sort of our international standing. Um, and he said no. He said no, he didn't. And I love that because there's this moment in most late-night talk shows where the host expects you to just be the trained monkey. Like, mm-hmm. here's the softball question. Just, you know, take the bat and knock it out the park. It's easy. It's easy. I'm setting it up for right. you. And he didn't. 
he he's it's almost like I mean to follow on the on the metaphor and the analogy, it's almost like you get the softball pitch and the guy who's standing at the plate puts down his bat, catches the ball, takes it and eats it. <laughs> right? Like no, I'm not playing this game. I'm not doing this. No, I don't have hope in America's future. No, I don't think that the project will. I'm not sure that the project will outlast itself. I don't think he was really definitive about it. I don't think he said no. It's not going to happen. He said I right. don't have faith in that. Um, and I think that that's in some ways is good. It's to to have that a moment of negation. Uh, it reminds me too of that of that story by uh, Herman Melville. Um, Bartleby the Scrivener, in which sure. Bartleby says he, he he his only sort of politics is the politics of negation. I prefer not to. I am not yeah. co-signing this. How is that not a story just about a disaffected millennial though? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to work. Well, I'm good. Why, why don't you just pay me? I'll, I'll, well, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm obviously joking. right, right, right. I, I think, I, I right. think uh, clearly there's right. much. More I mean, to the, clearly the the man is not that because he's done the work. I mean, he's he's produced uh, a, a couple of books that have been really well received. Um, that have, uh, from what I've heard, is he writing like a Black Panther comic or something like yeah, that? Yeah, now? yeah, Wasn't yeah. Yeah, yeah, working with like, Marvel. How does someone like how does someone like that not have faith in the American project? Or so I I have very little patience for mm. for that. I would say, and I said, disaffected millennial, like that level of cynicism. Mm. Uh, I I just but the psychological dispositions mm-hmm. are precisely that they are psychological dispositions. Okay. The future is is barreling down on us. Okay. That is, that is our portion of self-awareness that we all must bear, is the awareness of our future and a future in which ultimately we will not be. There is no, of course, any sort of ultimate destiny for the United States is, and its survivability and its, its perpetuity. Of course, ultimately, no. The U.S., the United States, America, whatever you want to call us, uh, no, we don't. We don't endure forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I would go. You know, when it comes to that, when someone that is that that f- high up on the heap. Mm-hmm. When they're when they're Yertle the turtle, mm-hmm. you know, on the faraway island of Salamisan and sitting on top of all those turtles, mm-hmm. and and surveying with that kind of survey, sitting in a seat on you know Stephen Colbert's uh, late night talk show, mm-hmm. guest writing, Marvel comics, mm-hmm. best selling authors. Mm-hmm. He's a millionaire. It, it, yeah, I don't really care what he has faith in or doesn't have faith in, mm-hmm. right? That's a psychological disposition. Mm-hmm. But I do care what his project is and what he is what that person engages in in their labor and how can that not be the work of hope? Well, he he said actually that he had and I don't remember, see I didn't I didn't look at this. I actually did not Look at the video of the um, of the uh, 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 broadcast. I only read about it. 
And apparently okay. one of the things that he said at the end was that he believed... Oh, oh actually, no. Let me be clear. I was... It was one. It was something that Corner West said in his critique of mm, Coates, the one in the Guardian, right? Right. right. He said that he that that Coates uh, cited black atheism as a as a place in which he had some hope, and I actually agree with that. Only because, and this is, uh, I feel like I'm stepping in it now, but here we are. <laughs> I feel think that part of the sort of paradigm shift that is, shift that is happening um, right now is that there is finally a kind of legitimate voice for black people who do not subscribe to Christian, particularly Christian, but generally religious traditions um, in the way, in a way that they've not been privileged up till now. Well, but, but wait, but wait, wait, James Baldwin, Ralph Ellison, I mean, there's a tradition, there's a black intellectual tradition yeah, that is not yeah, yeah, but, beholden to Christianity. Yeah, 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 but, but, but how many times have you heard, and I really want an answer to this, if, if you can give me one, how many times have you heard from people when they mention those people, and those are critical people, James Baldwin and Ralph Ellison, how many times have you heard people say, and they were not Christians, and they, were, they did not have a religious belief system they adhered to? Um, I don't know that I've heard anyone say that. I don't ever. know that I haven't heard anyone right. say that. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. I don't think I've ever heard someone say, James Baldwin was an atheist. In fact, I, I'm, now that I say it out loud, I'm more sure that I've never heard that. Right. Well, um, let me, so let me ask you a question. Why does the atheism component matter? Right. And this, in this context, right, why does it matter? Right. So, and this is where it gets hairy. Uh, because it, I think it's, the, it's it, it matters because being able to say that publicly and essentially without shame means that there is a kind uh, there's 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 something that's happened in the culture to allow a space for black people who don't come from the sort of rhetoric and uh, ethical tradition of Martin Luther King. I mean, when we talk about the great heroes of black liberation mm -hmm. struggle, you know, we, mm -hmm. you know the, almost the first name, almost always the first name is Martin Luther King. You know, it's not Marcus Garvey. It's not necessarily Malcolm X. It's Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he comes out of this tradition of service, of public service, of loving those who hate you, of taking the beating and taking the jail time and responding with nonviolent practices. And I think that the shift that Tanahisi Coates points to or indicates is one that's more sort of um, canny and savvy. It's not necessarily about relying on this Christian tradition. So you would say that Tana, so just you would say that Tanahisi Coates is is savvier than Martin Luther King. No, 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 not not 
No, I'm not saying that. I because I, I actually think King was really savvy. Yeah, no, no, I mean, no, no. Was, right, no, and and the and the and the strategies that he used were per, were really well suited to the times. I almost said perfect, but I don't know what that means. Mm, but mm, mm. Um, they were very well suited to the sociopolitical situation in which he found himself. No, but I guess I'm 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 thinking out loud here, so I'm actually kind of cutting my way through the forest as we go. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, and I'm like in your way. No, 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 no. But you're asking. You know, you're asking really good questions. Well, I think what I'm getting at is that any hope that we have, if we have a thing called hope, it is actually not seated uh, in. A tradition, but it's seated in a question, a, 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 an attitude of critical consciousness, of critical rigor uh, in looking at the inheritance that we have. So that it's no more, it's no more about, I mean, what he's pointing to, what, what Coates is pointing to is saying, if you're an atheist, if, if you don't believe, that's actually a good mm-hmm. place to start. Because mm-hmm. you begin from the place of it's someone it's almost Cartesian, right? Like I don't know that there is such a thing as universal love. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. assume that there is. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting from the place of what's rationally in front of me, what can I do strategically to actually make a space for myself to, to just to live, to exist. So a couple of things. Uh, one, I I want to make sure that I am not. I'm not sure which of us brought up King. I think you may have, I did, but I, I don't. Did. I don't. I personally would not deploy him in in, in this kind of discussion or in most arguments, uh, because I do feel like it's kind of a tired and probably facile gesture for white people to do right i mean it's like so well you know king let's all get along kind of thing but so, but that's exactly I, why i do it but that because no, that, he's the lone no, stone right like he's oh yeah no like, i i know i'm saying i'm saying so i but i was i was defending him a little bit because i admire him mm-hmm. for reasons other than that okay and so i was just i just wanted oh, yeah, to fair I, enough. I, I wanted to fair enough yeah to signal why yeah my defense of him is a little bit more sophisticated than that right. so I, I say that self-conscious right um, and, and owning that. So, um, because, you know, we, obviously we're, we don't, I mean, it's a podcast, we're not signaling our racial affiliations or whatever, but I do feel like there should be some delicacy around discussions of race on my part, uh, even though I have, you know, pretty well thought out arguments mm, on, mm. Uh, that, that might be somewhat contrary. But mm. um, my issue with Coates and... And the discussion of atheism Mm -hmm. being a location Mm -hmm. where uh, we might draw some inspiration. Mm -hmm. I think the impulse we're discussing, the critical impulse, uh, the prophetic impulse, whatever you want to call it, different traditions call it different things, Mm -hmm. different social groups want to signal it differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prophetic impulse might make some people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that is a fugitive minority impulse in every time in every place there is no ism i would argue there's no ism there's no school of thought that cultivates 
that discomfort with hypocrisy, which is, I think, ultimately what we're talking about. When we look out at the world, when some, like, someone like Coates looks out at the world and sees, you know, rampant uh, inequality, cultural inequality, economic inequality, that pricks our conscience. And, and, and men and women of character uh, are unsettled by that. But there's no tradition to draw on that, that we use these ready-at-hand traditions to signal our displeasure. But you can draw those from atheism, you can draw them from Christianity, Hinduism, paganism. Like, I just, they're all just frameworks that Mm. allow men and women of conscience Mm -hmm. to articulate their displeasure with the world. And I can bring this back to uh, the issue of why Goldberg's faith in the future. He, he, he declares in this email, I have faith in the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nonsense statement. I, it, it, it offends me as much as Coates's uh, disaffected uh, opinion on the future does. Okay. Because faith is precisely besides the point. Right. It has nothing. It, what are you willing to work for? Right. Or are you, are you, are you in the business of of lifting up your fellow human beings? Right. Are you in the business of trying to imagine better epistemological and moral frameworks right. for human beings to live inside of? If you're not, get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> you're just ta- you're just taking you're just taking up oxygen and you're taking up um, that capital, and I mean that in the broadest sense. Mm-hmm. And if you're Pollyannish about mm-hmm. it, like I have faith in the future, mm-hmm. get the fuck off the stage. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care what you have faith in or don't have faith in. What are you willing to labor for? What are you willing to work for? You know what? Like you, you and I both like to reference regularly, even though we're self conscious about it. You know that Ginsburg's. You know, I, America. I'm putting my queer shoulder yeah, to the wheel. Yeah, yeah. We put yeah. your shoulder to the wheel. Yeah, but I mean. Because, well, I, I suppose the conversation is sort of eddied towards this kind of makeshift opposition between Coates and, I don't know, the straw horse that is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, um, or just, or maybe it's just belief in atheism. I think that what Coates says actually points to an attitude of work. And I, and I, and partly mm-hmm. clearly I, I, I'm not, not clearly, but partly I'm assuming this about Coates because of the work that he has done already, like the, mm-hmm. the books mm-hmm. that he has written already and the way that he has conducted himself as a public intellectual. I, have you read either one of the books? I have not. Or, I have not. Yeah, me either. I've, I've read a number of his articles, but I haven't yeah, read Yeah, I've read a lot of his articles. I read the one about, um, the, you know, Donald Trump being um, the... The first white president. president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I feel like... I, pers- I feel like that's got to go to Thomas Jefferson. I'm sorry, I just don't think. That. But anyway. Well, okay, well, we can get in, we can get into that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. That's a joke. But. Okay, we, we can get into it. But I so I'm I, what I'm realizing now as I'm speaking is that I'm putting a lot of my own feelings and thoughts around atheism into this, and because it's been a long journey for me. A, 
to the point where I can say, yes, I, I, I don't have any theistic beliefs at all. And I actually think that having the attitude that he has means that we are, those who do say we are not subscribers to any sort of theism, what we're mm -hmm. saying is we are ready to put our queer shoulders to the wheel. That mm -hmm. we want to do the work of critical inquiry, of saying, okay, here's the situation. What's the evidence for whatever position we want to take? I'm assuming that. Like, I don't know that that Coates does this. I don't know that he, I don't know mm -hmm. that he necessarily uh, 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 subscribes to this kind of intellectual rigor, but I would assume so because you see it in his writing. Mm -hmm. But what the what that position, what uh, taking the atheist atheist position means for me, is that I don't know. I cannot presume that one my inheritance is just going to like carry me through the trials and tribulations of being a human being. Mm -hmm. I have to actually critically engage with the people, the circumstances, the ideas that I encounter. And I have to do so from a position of looking at, rationally looking at what evidence is in front of me that will allow me to make a reasonable choice. Um, I, I like that because that's actually giving me work to do that I want to do. And I think that more of us need to do. Because here's the thing, ultimately, when you went, when they went down, they, the me, um, people in the media, um, mm -hmm. and that just sounds like such a stupid phrase. I need to find a better way to say that. But um, people who work at giving us the news went down to Mississippi, was it Alabama? Wow, wait a minute, to talk to Roy Moore's supporters? Alabama. Alabama, right. We went down to Alabama to talk to more, Roy Moore's supporters. What they said was, I don't care what the New York Times says or what the Washington Post says or what some people mm -hmm. said. Was, I don't mm -hmm. care about that. Mm -hmm. I support Roy Moore because I know him. Mm -hmm. So there's this sort of anecdotal knowledge, right, that carries the day for them for a hugely important political decision. It's this anecdotal thing, like I know him personally. There's no resort to evidence. There's no resort to like critical thinking. And I just feel like if, if the atheists have anything to bring to the table, it is that. That they say, it doesn't matter what I personally know. Like what, please show me the evidence. Let's start there. So, so I just, I, I don't uh, have faith in atheism and i mean that obviously mm -hmm. in its ironic sense yeah. uh that that you are describing um i th again I, I that willingness to judge and weigh based on one's own critical faculties mm -hmm puts you in the minority of every tradition, including atheism. I, I, I know plenty of really annoying, knee-jerk followers of the New York Times okay. and the Washington Post. Okay. And these are both publications which I read regularly right. and which I rely on for my news, right. so I'm not, I'm not painting myself outside of that. Right. Uh, 
but that unwillingness to do the work to come to one's own conclusions or that resistance or that lack of capacity or time or whatever the case may be. That's a space that we all live in. And you and I just have probably defensible. I'm not going to go that far. I know that I could defend the outlets that I draw on. I know I could defend the writers that I draw on right. for more than just, you know, faith right. or something right. like that. Well, you know, they're uh, not David Brooks, so yeah, you probably can. <laughs> I actually like David Brooks. Really? I don't agree with him a lot. So I don't I don't agree with him a lot, but I um he is he is at least aware of the fact that there must be some kind of glue in place to keep communities of strangers together. Now, I don't, I don't like the place. I don't like the factory he draws his glue from. Right. Right. I don't. I don't like the horses that he uses. Right. But, but he's not wrong that there must be shared principles that. Uh, that keep us together you, you, and keep us... You're, you're right, actually, and you are convincing, and as reprehensible as I think he is, you're, <laughs> you're right about that. You are correct. Uh, uh, and it's, it's actually a really... It's a, a pretty... It's actually a really, not pretty, it's a really sophisticated, uh, nuanced position to take vis-a-vis -vis David Brooks. Um and and so I'm I'm, I'm learning from that, um, but I want to I want to get back to something you said earlier, which I I think I glossed over and I shouldn't have. You said something about how what I'm what I'm marking out essentially is this sort of you know sort of idealized atheistic intellectual mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. is essentially about. being aware of our own hypocrisy, right? And mm -hmm. wanting to avoid the pitfalls of that hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about that because you really think it comes down to that? Do, um, could you ask the question a different way? I'm yeah, not sure. yeah, it's yeah. Like it's, it's, it's really unclear. Um, you said that what I was getting at essentially with my um i'm gonna i'm gonna say idealization um okay, of, okay. of atheism what i was getting at was a way to check ourselves f from falling into the and falling into our own hypocrisy and that right. that that mm. you say and you say that other traditions do that as well and yes yeah, so i think so the so the question I, is do do you think other traditions do that potentially as well as as atheism could? So I guess um, okay, it's a it's a fair question. Uh, I'm I'm going to give a definitive answer that on a different day I might give differently okay. because I want I, what I do want to do is leave the door open that uh, to the idea that yes, there are frameworks that can foster 
independent intellectual inquiry and integrity. Okay. That that being said, mm-hmm. um, no, I don't think that atheism has any special purchase on that very rare characteristic. And I would point to, uh, I would point to like the Chan or Zen traditions in Buddhism. I would point to some of the more radical uh, Sufi critiques within Islam. I would point to some of the negative theological positions in Christianity. The, the and Hinduism of has you know the Dvaita Vedanta Dvaita Vedanta tradition uh, the non dual tradition anything that throws you back on yourself mm. and your own limitations mm. I would say is a very long tradition in the history of the world called, sometimes called the wisdom tradition. Mm. Harold Bloom calls it the wisdom tradition. He wasn't the first to do that. Aldous Huxley called it the wisdom tradition as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this idea. This this principle that we have to check our own intellectual ambitions mm-hmm. and question our own our own feeling of inerrancy mm. and certitude mm. is is definitely something that visits many times and places mm-hmm. but never frequently right and i i just i've just i've known a lot of atheists that seem pretty uh, sam harris is someone that i think is a pretty good example of that i mean although i do think some of his arguments are a little bit more sophisticated than they used to be mm-hmm. but uh yeah i no i just i think you're talking about a very very small tribe yeah and i think if you belong to that tribe yeah. you have a responsibility to help your fellow human beings realize that things aren't quite as certain as they appear to us when we are ensconced in in our in in our own particular worldviews right well i just grimaced because i made you made me think of that bruno latour uh 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 argument and I'm not going to be able to quite find the quote now, although I, 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 a few months back I'd highlighted it and I'd actually kept it by my bedside. So this is a quote from Bruno Latour uh, from the article, Why Has Critique Run Out of Steam from Matters of Fact to Matters of Concern? And yet, quote, and yet entire PhD programs are still running to make sure that good American kids are learning the hard way that facts are made up that there is no such thing as natural, unmediated, unbiased access to truth, that we are always prisoners of language, that we always speak from a particular standpoint, and so on, while dangerous extremists are using the very same argument of social construction to destroy hard-won evidence that could save our lives. Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously I... And you and I have spoken about this before. Of course, I completely agree uh, with that sentiment. Um, definitely, and I I don't mean this defensively, but just to clarify, definitely not what I meant in what I was saying, sort of defending um, the idea of sort of the wisdom tradition. I think what has happened in the American Academy is 
it's divorced itself from its roots in that wisdom tradition. Um, what I what I would characterize as a wisdom tradition intimately acknowledges the facticity of the world and yeah. its its overwhelming presence. Uh, and yeah. that is not, though it may be gated and mitigated by language, it is certainly not fully circumscribed by it. And uh, I, mm. even before the Latour, I always, uh, someone like Gary Snyder was right, was railing mm. against uh, postmodernism years before that. And he, mm-hmm. he loved to give the example of he was in some Pacific Northwestern region working on some poetic series and he was of course talking to a lumberjack at a table and uh, right. slams his hand down on the table and people jump and look around right. and he was is that, is that an authentic experience that's right, right. Yeah. i mean right. sort of right. The, right. the the ways in which our animality far supersedes our our linguistic sophistication uh, and so I just, I find, I mean, obviously when I was younger and undergraduate, you know, I, I sat in those seminars, like literally with Derrida and all the like, uh, Doc Martin to graduate students that, uh, would sit and hang on his totally unintelligible and broken English. Um, and I mean, I used to, I would go, he would, oh. Derrida would regularly sit at the Baskin Robbins, uh, at UCI and, uh, before oh he would God. go teach. Um, and you know, you'd always see him there, but anyway, I I don't do that in a name dropping way. I do that to say like, I drank that Kool-Aid for a long time. I understand what those arguments are. Um, and they're honestly, they're kind of sophomoric and, Mm. uh, and completely divorced from, as Latour says, the, the hard one knowledge that we now have mm-hmm. of the world the thing that mm-hmm. the things that scientists and engineers and historians have mm-hmm. labored to construct i don't want to throw any of that stuff out right. what i'm saying is that it is our responsibility as intellectuals it is coates's responsibility it is not it, it has nothing to do with their faith or their opinions about right. whether the future is going to arrive or not arrive it's coming right and right. and we have created fantastic machineries of war and peace and it's our job to use those things responsibly it's Coates's job to teach the next generation how to be responsible members how to move past uh, sort of ridiculous racialized notions of uh, epistemologies that you can somehow know something about a person because of the color of their skin and I don't mean that right. in a new agey way I mean it in a it's just fucking stupid it's just dumb right. it just really right, right. needs to go as an idea right, right. and I right. and I don't by doubling down on the racial politics the way in which now and this is going to take us too far afield and so I I want to come back from it I'll throw it out there maybe we should talk about it at another time I understand that by disbelieving in the efficacy of a racial narrative doesn't mean that black bodies don't get policed in ways that white bodies don't get policed it doesn't mean that women are not 
subjugated in ways that men are not. So I understand that. I, I get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the social facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but what you're doing now is you're just kind of mounting a defense against people who just think that, oh, here's this white privileged guy yes. who like doesn't get it. Right. Right. Like, like you don't like you think. Oh, I'm trying to head that off at the pass. Yeah, that's exactly. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, but, uh, but and, and, and that's fine. And that's fine. But um, let me let me jump in to say this. Yeah, please. Um, or to ask this, actually. Um, so implicitly, the. Per- the person who sent out that email, that grandiloquent Jeffrey Goldberg. <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey Goldberg. You don't think he got it? You think he got it wrong? And yes. you also implicitly think that Coates got it wrong. Yes. So what's the so it, let's let's go back to the Colbert show, and you're and the, and he poses the question to you: What's the right answer then? What 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 should Coates have said? Faith. Do you have faith in the American future? Faith in the American future is irrelevant. It only matters the work that I put in today. Okay, good. All right. Now, and and let me ask a follow-up question because I'm feeling impish. <laughs> <laughs> How does that answer differ from... Because I can totally see... No, yeah, I don't want to ask the question that way. Do you... Can you imagine the same answer being given by Joe the plumber, like the infamous Joe the plumber. I remember, remember sure, him? of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Can you imagine that, that the same answer being given by him? Um, that faith in the future is irrelevant? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, but, okay. but that may just be a limitation of my ability to imagine Joe the plumber's mental state. I don't know. No, 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 no. Just given everything that you know about him, because I, I think, I think actually I, I asked the question. I think mm, I actually agree with you to a, to a certain extent. I think that, <laughs> not that I know, no, he I wouldn't know tonic, uh, tonic Hesse Coates's mental state either. I'm not, I'm not suggesting. Right, right, right. Yeah. We know we're, we're projecting yeah, clearly, yeah. but, but still, I don't think he would say it's it's irrelevant, but I do think he would say it just matters the work that I put in. So there's a way in which, and this is what I'm getting at, mm, right? Okay. There's a way in which this is still, and, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with this, but there's that's very much the American ethic, right? So, like, I am just going to put work in to make the shit change so because that's all okay, I can so, do. So I, I appreciate you saying that. I don't think you're wrong, and I want to own that. I th- I think so. Cultures shape us undeniably. They shape mm-hmm. us for good and ill. Mm-hmm. And you know, we said in our first. Well, we said in, in the part of the first podcast that we axed when we went way off topic. But mm-hmm. um, it, that uh, we were talking about, uh, or I was talking about, uh, whether or not it made uh, sense to sort of try and imagine the American project in mm-hmm. in a more positive way. And I what I claimed mm-hmm. was that it was time for America in in the broadest sense of the term, in its ideological mm-hmm. sense, to grow the fuck mm-hmm. up. It's mm-hmm. time it, it's it's time for us to as intellectuals to do some of the work to tease out what is best in the American idea. And right. to leave behind the adolescence, and I believe that that I believe that that is the work to be done. 
And so, yes, that what you just, I think, absolutely sensitively and accurately called out an American idea is, in fact, an American idea. And I would own that. It's the same American idea that elected a black president. Where are the European mm-hmm. black presidents? Where, where are they? Hello? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know you're. I know you're all super sophisticated in France, and you've got all your forks and spoons and special cups and and demi tosses and all this other stuff. But no, I think that there there are positive things to embrace about the American idea, and there are things to to rip apart and to rip out. And I want to rip, and I want to rip the the stuff out that needs to go, and keep the stuff, right. and cultivate the things that I think uh, are worth keeping. Right. So I so to follow on that, then I would think I would I would say that you know with Coates's response, um, there's much of that I would keep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm fine with being a member of a very very small tribe. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that it's important for me to understand this notion of a wisdom tradition. I didn't know it existed before you talked about it. Uh, I think that that's worth exploring and worth talking about. Uh, I do think that um, I want to make that part the Red Sea, really, and leave on one side um, the the grand the 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 important notion that yes something about what happens to this country and what happens to me has something to do with the work that I put in mm-hmm. I do believe in that I do mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and it may actually be something in the Jamaican uh, uh, cultural heritage that I have mm-hmm. that is very much about that I mean I I mean it, it was a, you know it's a sort of you may know it was a joke, the running joke um, in series like in Living Color, mm-hmm. that Jamaicans always had you know several jobs at the same time. <laughs> I do and remember, yes. you know, you know right. my father did, my mother did, mm-hmm. like I do, mm-hmm. like I have several jobs. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know that. I, but then you know that 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 also has something to do with the times we live in. The lot as as um, the gig economy, as they call it. Precisely, precisely. Um, but there is there is something perhaps in my in my cultural inheritance that is that privileges that 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 ethos. So the right so the, I want to separate that out from the the answer I think Joe the plumber would have given as to whether or not he has faith in the future. He probably would have said, yeah. He probably would have said, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. America's great. Like, you know, <laughs> God bless America. Like, America's the, the shining city on the hill. It's, it's nothing that no other place on the planet that you'd ra- I'd rather live. And there's no greater country. And, and I have to say this. Part of the reason that I took myself to London to do my PhD mm-hmm. was that my father, I grew up in a household in which my in which my father said constantly, he thought that America was the best planet on uh, uh, best country on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I and I wanted to always say to him, but I never quite got the gumption. How would you know? Like you've lived in two places. Mm-hmm. How would you? Po- I wanted to test it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to another G seven country, mm-hmm. uh, and, and live there for a while, and see 
how it felt. Mm -hmm. And what I can honestly say is that I did miss that American ideal, the one that we've been talking mm -hmm. about, the one that says, like, basically, I can do this shit if I put my shoulder to mm -hmm. it. Because there is a kind of attitude, I think, in that was noticeable to me living in London that I attribute mostly to the English, um, which is, oh, this is a bit shit, isn't it? Well, you know, well... Oh well, <laughs> what, what, what can you do? Like, it, it, like, yeah, 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 right. Like, uh, it, it, it feels to me, and 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 this is a really off the cuff, unfair, a facile uh, uh, reading of the English ethos, but there's something about it to me that feels like you went through having your food rationed. So you're used to, or you've been through a historical moment where you thought, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about this. We might as well just get on with it. And there is something that that is a running kind of conversation in, um, in Britain, which is, oh, you know, let's just get on with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I miss, I miss that American, no, 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 no. I don't like this. This isn't right. Mm -hmm. Let's do some, let's put our shoulders to the wheel and let's change it. Mm -hmm. I do think that that is worth keeping. And I do think if we're going to, which is essentially what we're doing, parse these sort of answers to these, to these implied questions, you know, do you have faith in blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's no. Yeah. I would agree with you. Like, no, faith isn't really the issue. The issue is, can we get shit done? Mm -hmm. And how are we going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So next time we'll figure out how we're going to do it. We'll just, we'll, we'll solve it uh, on our next podcast. You and I will come out with the next podcast will be a plan. Uh, we'll lay out exactly how to fix everything that's wrong with America. We probably, <laughs> probably, we probably at least need to spend a, a good five or six minutes on policing. Um, we've, we've got to spend a little time on income inequality. So, you know, there's some stuff to cover, but <laughs> there's some stuff, there's some stuff. So, like, but like tune in, I feel, like tune in. I, it's, it's, I feel like we can get it. to it. So, um, uh, and I, and I also want to qualify if, if, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates or Jeffrey Goldberg, if you ever happen to stumble onto this podcast, don't be uh, overly offended. Uh, clearly, both of you have a, a pretty solid work ethic, uh, even though I think you're both uh, totally wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs> yeah. All right, Seth, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you uh, next week. Bye.